Well, thank you to both Avila and Sarah for our readings today. Don't worry, we'll get to the explanation of the outfit in just a minute. But we're in a series now called Stones and Bones, Unearthing Faith's Foundations. And it's been a really wonderful journey so far. Uh, the thing I love about it, and I think we need to do this every once in a while as followers in Christ, it, obviously it's something that we need when we're first starting out. But as we grow, we have a tendency to try to get into the really deep and kind of philosophical discussions about our faith. And we don't visit those bedrock foundational issues as often as I think we, we really need to. And I think that uh, we've looked at things like sin and, and uh, God's provision and, and just how uh, we can relate to God on a very practical way and learn from Him. And we've even done some very spiritual practices called Lexio Divina. And uh, so it's, it's just been a great journey. And uh, I'm excited about it. Today, our message is called Forgotten Kingdoms. And I don't know about you, but I, there's, there's been times in my life where I've, I've felt forgotten. I've felt rejected, like I didn't belong. Most of it was high school. I, I really don't look back on high school with fond memories. I, in, in my high school, there were two major groups. There, there were the jocks which is pretty self-explanatory. And, and then there, there were heads. And those were the headbangers, the, 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 the uh, guys that uh, would listen to heavy metal and, and smoke cigarettes and, and wear leather jackets and, and high-top sneakers. And uh, that were, those were the two big divisions in my school. Did you, have those, did you have cliques in your school? Everybody have cliques in high school? What, were, there, were there others besides jocks and heads in your school? What did you have? You have to say it loud because I can't hear very well up there. The band geeks. All right. I came from a little country school. Our band wasn't big enough to have like a whole clique of band geeks. But that's awesome. Uh, anybody, anybody have the audiovisual team, a group of people? What were some others? What are other The top ten? The cool people? Oh, oh, like the valedictorian, salutatorian, all the... The smart, the nerds, yes, yeah, or maybe they weren't nerdy, maybe they're just really smart. Um, any others? That uh, you, the drama, the drama kids, the drama club, the ones that wore black and were really weird all the time. Yeah, okay. See, I, we didn't have that group. I probably would have fit into that group really well, either the drama club or or the nerds or the geeks, but. But I wasn't athletic enough to be in the jocks, and, and I, I didn't smoke, and I didn't have a leather jacket, so I couldn't be with the heads, and uh, it, it was, I was in between. I just, I, I felt out of place, like forgotten, rejected, like I didn't belong. And I think that, I, I don't know about you, I'm sure there are many people here in the room today that can relate to that feeling of just not quite fitting in, maybe being forgotten by your, your peer group, and and uh, I also, in high school, just really went through some intense times of rejection. I, I started dating for the very first time in high school. My first, first girlfriend ever, ever, her name was Denise. And uh, I was the perfect gentleman. I, I would ask to, may I hold your hand? And so we would hold hands. 
you know, may, would you go to the movies with me? And, and, and we would go to the movies. Apparently, apparently I didn't, according to Denise's friend, the reason why Denise broke off this real heated relationship that it was, uh, was because I didn't, I didn't give good enough gifts. So in this three-week-long relationship, <laughs> apparently there was some, uh, some gifting that I was supposed to be doing in three weeks that I wasn't doing, I don't know. But that was the excuse that they gave me. And so I felt rejected and hurt. And again, I didn't belong, I didn't fit in, you know, I, I was on the outs. And I think our story that we read uh, today, that Avila read for us, talks about this, this person, and I like the way that the scripture sets it up, because he's not even mentioned until the end of this uh, passage that we read. But David is forgotten. See, what's happened up to this point is there's this guy named Samuel. And Samuel's job as a prophet of God was to go and basically anoint the king of Israel. And so far what Samuel has done is he has gone earlier and found this man called Saul. Saul would have been the, the uh, captain on the basketball team. He was, the scripture says that he was a full head taller than, than most of his peers. And he was handsome and strong. The kind of leader that Israel needed. But unfortunately, he wasn't. And what people saw on the outside was not reflected on the inside. And Saul made a huge bunch of mistakes and eventually God rejected him as the king of Israel. And so he tells Samuel, what I want you to do is take your horn of oil that you anoint the king of Israel with and go and I'm going to show you who the next king of Israel is. So he goes to Bethlehem and he goes to this town and talks with his family. The father of the family is named Jesse. And it's kind of like Cinderella because he goes and it's, it's like the, the, the court messenger coming to say that there's going to be a, a dance or a ball. And so Jesse sends for his sons and and seven of his sons, they, they go and they get sanctified. They, or in other words, they, they wash up, they get clean clothes, they, they look their best, they smell their best, and they are about to be presented before Samuel. <laughs> Moving on. So, they are presented before Samuel, and one by one, Samuel takes a look at him. Samuel's opinion is, hey, this guy must be God's anointed because he's good-looking, he's tall, and God says, no, no, no. Don't look on the outer appearance. No, no. And one by one, he goes through all the, all the sons until he gets to the seventh son, and Samuel says, is this all? And Jesse says, well, there's the youngest, but, but he's out tending the sheep. Of course you don't want the youngest. And so David, I imagine him just, I can't, he's, he must have felt like Cinderella felt when all the stepsisters went to the ball and, and Cinderella couldn't. All his brothers went before Samuel. 
but he wasn't even given the, the ability to, to step before him. But then Samuel says, bring him in. Scripture says he's ruddy. That means red. Now, it could be that he had a red complexion. That is one possibility. It could be that David is coming before this kingmaker. All his brothers are all dressed to the nines in all their pomp and circumstance. And David comes in. He's dressed in his shepherd's clothes. He hasn't washed. He probably smells like sheep. He's dirty. And he might be a little embarrassed. And so maybe that is when they say he was ruddy. Uh, he was red. He might have been a little bit embarrassed by coming before this group of people. And then Samuel anoints this one, the youngest of the young, the eighth son, which is really kind of interesting. If you study numbers in Scripture at all, numbers usually mean something. So like three is a number of the Trinity. Uh, six, we get 666. Well, actually, it's not evil. Six is one less than seven. Seven is complete perfection. Six is the number of humanity. We're one lower than complete perfection. We're not quite there. So seven is complete perfection. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And so this eighth son represents the new beginning. God has rejected Saul, and there is a new beginning with David. And God says to Samuel... In chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, verse 7, as he looks at this probably somewhere around 20 to 25-year-old young man, the Lord says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Now, Samuel's looking at the first brother, Eliab, and he's thinking that this guy, because he's so good-looking, is the next king. But God says, no, don't look at his appearance or his, the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This word heart in Hebrew uh, is the word labab. And I, I think that's a wonderful word. I, I don't know if this is where it came from, but I like to imagine that it's because of the sound that the heart makes that they, they called it labab. You can just imagine labab. Labub, Labub. And, and so they called it Labub. And uh, it's the word heart, but it means more than just the, the, the physical heart, the thing that pumps blood, or even, even the emotional seat of a person. It means the inner person, the, 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 what really matters inside, the personality, the, the, the soul, the spirit. So God looks on that, the essence of what makes that person not the outside, not the outer trappings, but the inner heart of that person. And that was what he was looking for. Other places in Scripture, God describes David as a man after God's own heart. So he was looking for a person that shared his heart. I know when, when I was in uh, college, we, I was an intern at a biotech company when I was the uh, first couple of years of college. And uh, in this company, there were four interns. And three of us got along smashingly. And there was one of the interns, a young woman by the name of Betsy, who was just arrogant, stuck up. No one got along with her. No one talked to her. So the three of us, the three interns, we, we would go off and 
take hour and a half intern lunches and play putt-putt golf and stuff like that, and, and Betsy would be left behind. And, uh, and really, that's because she was just so stuck on herself and stuck up. My wife, Rebecca, and I met Betsy several years ago. Um, she's actually married to one of the pastors at another church here in Rochester. And Betsy is not stuck up at all. In fact, she is the quietest, most gentle, sensitive person I have ever met. She is wonderful, great mom, great woman of God. But because we cared more about going out and having fun and not really getting to know who she really was, getting to know her inner person, we just wrote her off as being arrogant and stuck up because she didn't talk to anybody. She was just shy. See, we were fixed, like all mortals tend to be, on the outside appearance. And we didn't look on the heart. And that's what God is telling Samuel, not to look on the outward appearance, but look on the heart, as God looks on the heart. I can imagine that, that just as I felt forgotten and left out, when I was in high school, I can imagine that Betsy, you know, looking at the three of us and all the fun that we were having, would feel forgotten and left out and, and rejected. And maybe I would venture a guess that many people here tonight, at either some port, part of their life, or maybe even you're going through it now, have felt rejected, left out, just not part of the group, not part of the, the inner circle. Maybe you're here for the first time tonight and, oh, I know how difficult that is. I know how hard it can be to go to a new place, especially a new church, and just feel like you're on the out, outer so circle, you're outside, and uh, we hope that you at some point feel welcome here today. Uh, but at some point in our life, we probably all experience that feeling forgotten, feeling rejected, left out. Jesse forgot his son David. And maybe you've cried out at some point in your life, you know, if people could just see what's on the inside, they would just give me the opportunity to show them who I am and not look at what I am on the outside. Then I wouldn't feel that rejection. They would, they would get to know me. They would like me. And friends, I think God in His Word today is saying to us that if that's the way you feel, that God is looking on your heart. And God is offering to you a place in His family, a place in the inner circle of those that He has called to be followers of His Son. God wants to take you and set you apart. It's the idea of anointing is that idea of setting apart, of sanctifying is, is a big word that we use. It just means to, to set apart, to single out, to reserve. And I think God is telling us in His Word today that just like David, He wanted to take this one shepherd, servant, boy, and set him apart 
and make him a part of God's plan and God's family. He wants to do the same for, for you and for me today. Verse 16, or 13 of 1 Samuel 16 talks about what Samuel did with David. He, he called David forward and then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. That, that phrase, in the presence of his brothers, another way that that can be translated is out of the presence of his brothers. That he was set aside, he was anointed. He was given the Holy Spirit from that day forward in a mighty way. And I think that God wants to do the same thing for us today. One thing we need to recognize is that in the Old Testament, it talks about a few people that have the Holy Spirit on them or in them. And it's just a very few. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, or, or before Christ and after Christ, is that where the Holy Spirit was given to certain individuals before Christ, the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who wants to follow after Jesus Christ now. That's an amazing promise, an amazing gift. Just as Samuel anointed David, set him apart, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, we have the wonderful, blessed opportunity to be anointed, set apart, Holy Spirit come upon us and in us through the power of Christ, just by following after Him. In the New Testament, Peter talks about what is available to us in this anointing and who we are able to become. And I, I invite you to write this down and check this out this week. And Peter writes a letter. And, and in the first part of the letter, 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 1, um, I always wonder why there's the, the little address in there. And sometimes you just read over it and skip over it. But I found it very intriguing as I went back and read this this past week. 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion. See, he's writing to people that have been exiled. He's writing to people that were once Jews that have accepted Christ, are following after Christ, and because of that are being persecuted and were once in Jerusalem but now have been spread out all over the place, have, have been exiled to foreign countries in fear of their lives. So Peter writes to these exiles who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Christ. Sanctified, set apart. He's writing to those that are the rejected, the forgotten, those on the outs. And so if you've 
ever felt that in your life, or if you're feeling that currently, that you're, you're on the outs, you're, you're separated from God, you're separated from other Christians, you're from community, from friends, if you're feeling that today, this letter that Peter is writing should bring us some comfort because he goes on in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Remember, he's writing to these exiles, to the people that are on the outs, and this is what he says to them. Verse 9 and 10 of 1 Peter 2, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And this is very important. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, but for a very specific reason. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So, as we talk about being royalty, as we talk about entering into this kingly family of Christ, the King, we don't just sit on our royal thrones and bark edicts to people. We have a job to do in this royal priesthood. See, a priest, we all, when we hear that name, priest, conjure up our own images. I grew up Roman Catholic, so for me, a priest is a very specific image. And the priest was dressed in a certain way. But here in Scripture, it says that we are all priests. We are royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you felt forgotten, once you felt betrayed, once you felt hurt. But God is offering to all of us today a way that we can enter that royal priesthood, that family of God. Visually, I thought would be a good representation of, of this is God looking on, not on the outer person, but on the inner, would be through, through vestments. And as I said, growing up Roman Catholic, vestments similar to this were carried a lot of weight and had a very specific meaning. And I think God is telling Samuel, as he is going to anoint David, not to look on these outer vestments, uh, but to look on the inner person. There are other vestments in the church that we can wear. One of them is over here, and it's called an alb. And the thing I like about this is that these originally were the vestments of the servants. The alb is just a, a plain white cloak that is worn by those that would be scrubbing the floors, serving the meals. Not necessarily the, the, the priest that would be wearing the high robes, but 
but a servant leader, a shepherd. And I think that these vestments represent the difference between Saul and David. Saul very much about the outer trappings of a leader and a king that's all about appearance. And David being a shepherd and caring about leading God's people as a shepherd leads the flock. These vestments also carry imagery and weight, but they're the image of a servant, the image of a person who doesn't lord over and rule for the sake of ruling, but leads in love and in caring. I think it represents the love of Christ, a servant who laid down his life. And Christ is calling to all of us today and is saying, I want to sanctify you. I want to set you apart. I want to heal whatever it is that is causing you to feel hurt or rejected or on the outs. And he's given us this symbol, this symbol of oil. Oil representing a, a healing salve, a balm. But all throughout Scripture, oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so, in a moment, we're going to have our response time. And what I would like to offer today is an opportunity of healing, uh, of sanctification, of anointing. And so in front of me there is a, a station that will be an anointing station. And we invite anyone and everyone that wishes to participate in this to, to come forward, to kneel down, to take a moment to, to bring to mind what it is that is causing you to feel forgotten or rejected or on the outs. Maybe you're feeling hurt by a person that has taken advantage of you. Maybe they've wronged you in many ways. And God is saying, come to me and let me heal your wounds. Maybe you're feeling hurt by the church itself. I just met with a friend of mine yesterday. I haven't talked to her in 10 years. She is largely the reason that I'm a pastor today. She's the one that told me about Christ. She's the one that told me that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And yet she considers herself an agnostic today because of what her church did to her and how they abused her. Her entire family no longer attends any kind of organized religion or church because of what their church did to them and how they abused the power and the responsibility that God has given to the church and to its leaders. So maybe that's you. 
And God is saying, I understand that you've been hurt by people. Let me come and anoint you. Let me heal your hurt. Maybe you have caused hurt to someone. God is saying, come forward, confess, and let me heal the hurt that you have caused. And so we're going to offer this time of anointing and healing and being sanctified, set apart. I, the, the verse that, or the phrase that uh, we will use during this anointing time is, is, I think, really powerful. It says, through this holy anointing, may the Lord in His love and mercy heal you and fill you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And so whether you come forward and take the opportunity to, to be anointed and, and healed and sanctified and filled and healed by the Holy Spirit, or whether you just hear those words right now, my prayer is that you would allow the Lord to, to heal and anoint you and set you apart, that you may proclaim His mighty works. You are a royal priesthood. Go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others.